everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me is Christina Kasanka. Hi, Christina. Hello, Jason. How are you doing? I am full steam ahead and prepping <laughs> for Christian Musician Summit. Yes. In fact, by the time this comes out, we'll already have known if we were successful or completely failed. What Jason is referring to <laughs> is that we are actually leading worship there, not just attending. Yes. We have we have uh, George, friend of the podcast, George Ross from CCLI to thank for that. He told yep. them what a great worship leader I was, even though he's never actually seen me do it. Yep. And then we've never actually led worship together. So... Nope. So we're doing that. That's a whole bunch of firsts. Yeah, a whole bunch of firsts. (laughs) I find it's very helpful for me to pair myself with really good singers, and Ah, then and then that kind of helps me. And I find it really good to just pair myself with really good musicians. There you go. So it's a good pair. I think it's gonna be a good combo. Although I did find out so so we're doing. I'm doing two workshops at this. Doing one on arranging for solo acoustic guitar, um, which if you were at Innovators. I kind of bombed that one a little bit. Like I was, you didn't it was, tell me that. Well, I didn't bomb. I didn't bomb it, but like this is, goes back to the whole doing this thing by myself, and I was like getting tech set up, and people were helping me. Like it just did not right. start the way it should have gone. Not it as all came smooth. together. It all came together, but yeah. like in terms of me sitting there, it was just like I hate this. This is not going well. So that one's gonna kill this time because. I learned what works. It doesn't work. That You're was learning kill. from your mistakes. The problem is, <laughs> is then the other one is a, my favorite one to do is I'm doing one on arranging songs for your band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love doing that workshop. I do it pretty, you know, pretty differently than a lot of people do it. Um, at the same time, they were like, I was like, actually, can I do that one first? That one goes better. Can I do that on Friday instead of Saturday? And they said, well, Paul Balash is doing a, a thing on arranging stuff on Friday. So cool. I think we should do Saturday. I was like, cool. I get to follow Paul Balash on arranging songs. No big deal. So I think what just I'm going to legend. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to sneak into his workshop, and then just literally copy does. the exact same thing, like and almost like a, around two like almost like a, and, I, and then the whole next day I can talk about like well Paul already I mean he copied my he already said a lot of the Paul things I was going to say I was going to talk about it's kind of like a it's kind of like a cover band covering the the headlining band song you know just. Just kind of like, what are you going to do? Let's go for it. You're going to so, try to do it better, but we'll see. It's going to be different. I, <laughs> I, I'm i pretty confident that nobody uses the songs I use to teach arranging, and uh, I, I feel like that's pretty unique yeah. among other things. And so, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to it. Speaking and, of unique. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. I was so excited to talk to these guys. We actually got the, the, you know, the, the email that was like, Hey, here's this new album coming out, and I was like, "Please let me talk to them." I need to talk to them. <laughs> please, please. Uh, we have the Welcome Wagon, which is a great name for a band, uh, and they have been their husband and wife team. He's a Presbyterian minister. His name is Vito. Vito. So that's cool. Um, and so get to sit down with them, and they are just. I love artists. I really do. Like it's there's something about. I think worship leaders, a lot of times, you know, we're so focused on creating something that works and something that is very service oriented. And I think that's amazing. And that's what I do best. Right. But I love like people who have a kind of unique take, who approach things differently. And uh, the Welcome Wagon actually, kind of, they, we talk about it in the interview, but they actually kind of grew up in songwriting with Sufjan Stevens. So if you're familiar with Sufjan Stevens or whether you're not, uh, I think we talk about him a little bit. Go listen to Sufjan Stevens. He's an unbelievable. I didn't know who he was before 
uh, Jason interviewed Welcome Wagon. Yes, and Welcome Wagon, you can tell, and they'll say this is very influenced, but they also have their own voice. They're doing really unique and creative things. Um, their new album is amazing. I got mm-hmm. to listen to it in advance, and uh, it has just come out on November fourth, which is when you're listening to the you're listening to this on the ninth or later. So it's already out. <laughs> so you should go check out the Welcome Wagon's new album. We're going to talk all about it in this interview, and I'm going to shut up now. So without further ado, the Welcome Wagon. Monique and Vito, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very Thank much you. for having us. We're yes. glad to be here. I'm very glad. I'm very glad you are here as well. So, um, so for those who aren't familiar, let's jump back a little bit. The Welcome Wagon. I actually thought it'd be kind of fun to find out where you guys came up with that name as a band. The genesis yeah. story of the Welcome Wagon. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, so I moved to New York. Uh, well, yeah, I moved, Monique was already living in New York, and this was in the early 90s. And then when we got married, I moved here, and we were together. And the first couple of years that I was here, I was a campus minister uh, at NYU. And I did that for three years. And then shortly after that, I also I, I planted a church. We planted a church together. And in all those years, we were always having people over to our house, like just constantly kind of potlucks and hosting Thanksgivings for people that, you know, uh, didn't go back home. Um, and our house just ended up being sort of a, sort of a, a just, just gathering place of lots and lots of people, both in the church and out both. And at some point in time, it was Monique that came up with it. She says, it's like a welcome wagon. <laughs> and, and that was right around the time also that I started to learn to play guitar. And it was the first time, this kind of the first moments, so to speak, where I, we started to write songs together and started to play them. And so that's that we, we transferred that together. And, and the writing of the music and the playing of the music also kind of was combined with all those people being in over to our house and lots of people. You know, occasionally it would be like a, a, a small group, like a Bible study or something, and we would play. And then other times it was just individuals or people came over to our house and we would play together. So that's how that's how the name started. It sort of was, you know, it was it was kind of what we were already doing. And then it also was um, a way to think about how we what, what we hoped the band would aspire to be, that it would be mm-hmm. a, a welcome wagon. That's awesome. So what? So why music? Why, as part of your ministry, you're, you know, you're very hospitable, you're bringing people into your home. Why was music kind of the next step for that? What do you think? I'm, I think you should answer that okay, question. I'll... <laughs> I promise I'll, I'll, I'll like chime in. Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I love, I, I love music and I, I grew up loving music. I didn't grow up really playing any instruments or anything. And when I when we got married, I had this idea that I wanted to have music in our home, even beyond, you know, just playing it, playing songs that we loved or, you know, playing albums and stuff. And so I bought a guitar and I wanted to learn to teach my, you know, I wanted to learn to play guitar. And right around that time as well, we just met a handful of people who were also musicians and who some of them, again, some of them were in the church. I I, I didn't grow up in the church. And so not only did I not know a lot of the, you know, typical songs that people would know everything from hymns like Come Thou Found of Every Blessing and Amazing Grace or any modern music of, you know, I remember I became a Christian in college. This was like uh, 92 or three. And somebody dubbed me a cassette of like all these Amy Grant and um, Michael W. Smith songs. And um, 
and you still decided you want to be a Christian. Awesome. <laughs> I was like, well, I, li- I, <laughs> I, I, I listened to it and I was like, this is okay, but I'm still definitely going to listen to REM. In this <laughs> I'm not going to give that up. Like I can't go all the way. So, um, but we knew all these people who were musicians and some of them were these really great worship leaders and, and singing songs. And um, some of them were from the, you know, kind of more modern, I guess, worship music of that time of the mid nineties. And I was also in a community of people who were uh, writing new music for hymns. Like um, if you're familiar with the RUF movement and the retuned hymns movement, Sandra McCracken and mm-hmm. people like that. So we knew a lot of people like that. And then we also, that's where we met our friend Sufyan and he was a, um, a musician and just beginning to make records. And so all of that was the stew that we were sort of simmering in, and it made it exciting where a, a number of people would just sort of say things like, well, have you written any songs? As if that was something that people did. And because they, because they said that it then yeah. made it so like, oh, you can write a song. Mm-hmm. And then you realize writing a song is just making something up or it's, you know, I would, I would, I would, I would open up a songbook and it would, it would be the first song I ever wrote was there's a fountain filled with blood. It's this old chestnut of a Baptist song, but I didn't know the melody and I didn't, I don't really read music even now. And I didn't even know how to play all the chords that were in the song, even though it's just like F G C a minor maybe. And so I added a few chords of my own and I got done and, you know, someone's like, well, you know, you, you wrote new music to that. that okay. That's, that that's, was your first that's song. First song. You did it. And, I did it. I did it. I did it. Um, and I grew up in a very musical home. My mom and um, was a music teacher, choir teacher. And my grandmother was also a music teacher. So music seemed like a natural extension towards living life, you know, as well. So we'd sing together at, as a family with my grandmother and my father and his brothers, they would sometimes get together and sing like four part harmony songs occasionally. And, uh, and we, there was, so there'd always be like um, song books, like in everybody's home, you know, mm-hmm. just, I mean, we weren't like total performers, but um, it was just always around. And um, yeah. And we, it just seemed like it all, it happened to us. We had a friend who was going through a hard time. And um, we, we invited them over every Sunday and we cooked them like London Royal, which is like the cheapest steak oh, yeah. you can get, yeah, but tough. N- nobody said, he didn't ever say anything bad. And we never, we just chewed it and ate it. <laughs> and, and he would say, can you, he would say, can you please play me that song? I really love that song. Will you please play it for me? It'll make me feel so good. So every Sunday we would eat together and we would play in the song, which he appreciated. So it kind of, every week we were kind of using music um, in a way to serve people, but we didn't really, really like plan it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it, it's so interesting because your the music that you guys create it, you don't need to know that story to kind of know that's the story. I don't mm. know if that, I don't know if that makes sense. Like it's, it's, it just fits in this unique place for me. Like when I listen to it and go, it, even just the way the lyrics go and, and the way it's all put together, it just, it feels like it belongs in my, like I, I helped start a church about 15 years ago. We're still small. We meet in homes a lot and it just oh. feels like it fits there. You know what I mean? It's like, it just, it just makes sense. And so, um, yeah. So it's it's not surprising to to hear that that's the story. It really comes across, yeah. which is cool. So, 
so what what are some of your what are some of your influences because like i said it like it doesn't necessarily sound like a bunch of other things it doesn't sound like you guys are trying to write hit songs necessarily you're just writing beautiful songs that seem to serve the song it just kind of fits in its own space um yeah. what are some of your influences in in creating i i mean i think the number one influence would have to be sufyan when i started to learn to play guitar I had only been playing guitar for like six months and he asked me to go out on tour with him. And I, and <laughs> that's also not surprising. I don't know Sufjan, but I, but I'm not surprised that that would be, yeah. it seems like something an artist like him would do. At that time, you know, um, I, I could get away. Like I, I, I could take the time away for a one week tour or play dates here and there. And I think he also, and this is still true of him, he really put a premium on people that he loved and that he wanted to work with. And so I'm not the greatest guitar player by any stretch, but he wanted to do things with people that he knew, I think, and it was he was just getting started. And so I know that his music has had an outsized influence on me because as I was learning to play the guitar at all, I was playing a whole set of his music every night. So I learned all the chords and I learned a little parts and stuff like that and, and learned and I would always sing harmony on these so it's like you're almost you know like that scene in Karate Kid where you do the same thing over and over and then all of a sudden you do it yourself and you're like oh I blocked the punch you know or whatever <laughs> uh, I, I didn't know I played the D minor that's right oh, D minor I can't that that chord's still hard for me now I, that's, that's tough you know um but I think be you know playing his songs over and over he was a big he's a big influence and continues to be and he's you know sort of a he's a star in our sky that we you know still such a dear friend and so he's one person i think um we also grew up you know we're both the children we're the children of um kind of hippies or 60 you know people from the late 60s and 70s so and if you could see i've got all my mom and dad's vinyl and we have some of monique's and it's it's the usual suspects, everybody from Neil Young to um, to like these weird Christian quartet albums from Monique's collection. And so we listened to all of this. So kind of uh, all of that mashed together. And, and, and when I, you know, like, I think this is probably true of any musician. When you say influence, it's not like where I'm, I'd like to write a song that right. sounds a lot like James Taylor, but man, his chord changes really, uh, just light me up, you know, mm -hmm. or uh, Phoebe Snow. That's it's there's there's this woman named Phoebe Snow. Her first record, I just can't listen to it enough. So and it was your mom's favorite record, right? Yeah. So, so when it's, it's, when it's of, people that you love have these yeah. records. Um. Also, the music that is on Spotify and is also we are indebted to the influence of our friends because when they play with us depending on the season of life, who we're with, they are bringing their own um, person personhood into it. What's that have to so do with we, Spotify? Well, oh, it has to do with, like, let's say um, there's there's the creation of the song in our, in our home, and then there's the mm -hmm. song that everybody hears. On Spotify? On Spotify. Right. Oh, Apple Music. I don't know where. Oh, <laughs> so check out Welcome Wagon on Spotify. <laughs> Good night. Yeah, I think it's yeah. like a commercial. Play it on Spotify in your living room. Play it on Amazon Music oh. in your bedroom. And then yeah. in your car. Yeah. Just you have can... them all going. And if we get 10,000 <laughs> or... students, we'll get 
meant to say I meant to say because like when we come up with the finished song, it's it is a contribution of our own influences personally, mm. but also the musicians that we play with. Yeah. Yeah. The things that are going on in their minds. But they contribute so um, much so to it. like so I write all the songs. That's but what you're hearing. The arrangements yeah. and the production has so much to do with all the people that we make the music yes, with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah, I'd love to ask yeah. about that. So talented people. In the way that you guys arrange music, I mean there's a lot of layers, right? There's there's kind of like it does feel like there's a lot of a lot coming into like it starts simply and kind of goes goes somewhere. So yeah, how does that process work for you? Are you are you just starting it on guitar and then going like all right guys go for it or like yeah how do how do these songs uh evolve? Um so I write all of them on guitar, on acoustic guitar, and um, and so then the people we've collaborated, we have a dear friend named Jeremy McDonald, who's a really talented bass player, but also producer. Um, and then our friend Dan Smith also played a huge role in this record. And both of them each did their own kind of production at different stages in the in the um uh, in the making of the album. But oftentimes we'll go in and just play a song over and over and over again because we're not a band proper like we're not on the road like workshopping these songs night after night or anything like that we've sing them at home and some of these songs monique's been listening to me play in the living room for before they were on the record for two and three years at, at mm -hmm. its and so i'm working them out and even finding how different vocal things happen and then i'll even record counter melodies or i'll record little things that i want to bring and so when it comes time to to record um on the one hand i've sometimes been frustrated because you know we don't have a lot of money to record so it'll be like all right we have 10 days in the studio and that's it and a part of me wishes we could make you know i don't the um wilco just came out with a like a 11 lp box set of the yankee hotel fox trot sessions and they have like 11 versions of camera like that's a great song and they have a super fuzzed out fast version and then they have like the country rock version and they have a whole bunch of versions. And so yeah. there's a part of me that wishes we could do that, like in terms of arrangements, but most of the time it's like, we'll talk with our producers, with Jeremy, with some of the other players in the room, we'll play it through a few times and say, okay, what do you hear? What do you want to do? And we do try to, I really try to have people that I trust and, um, sometimes I'll hear like, this is the guitar part I hear. This is what I want you to play. But that's kind of rare. Um, it's more often like, hey, what are you hearing? And we run through it like six, seven, eight, nine times and then have a pretty good idea of what it is. Um, and so then you talk about all the layers. We recorded this record with me playing acoustic and a guitar player and a bass player and a drummer. And all those were recorded fairly live. I don't want to lie and say it was always all of us in the room playing together, but it was sometimes. And then once that's laid down, then as a producer and then me as well, I'd like, man, I really would love to hear like a pump organ here. Mm -hmm. um, and then you just start kind of, you start, you start playing, um, you get to play, you know? Yeah. Over the years, over the years, we've made a lot of albums with our, the team that, was the worship team at our church mm -hmm. so um but what one of the things we never we didn't really sing our we don't we were never singing our songs at church on a regular basis we did occasionally occasionally but more it was just we loved the people that played in our church and so we would say all right 
we're going to make a record and occasionally we would rehearse for a week or two, mm-hmm. um, you know, like sort of go and, and try to work some of them out and then bringing those people in. And again, it wasn't because, yeah, we would play a, a few of our songs that are at the church that I was the pastor of for a long time, but I didn't ever want that to be the main focus of what was going on. Like sing one of our songs and I'm going to preach. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it. You know, like it, that I've was, written this to go with my sermon so that we yeah, have a I've full cohesive idea. And, you know, <laughs> get to listen to us on spotify you know like uh, um and we had a we had a musician evan mizunik who um who um did sound song or sound paintings they were he was very into jazz and improvisation so um and actually the other musicians that we did a lot of work with have a training in jazz many of the musicians we've worked with are sort of are traditional jazz players that you can't hear that directly in the music but we always have recorded with an upright bass and and some of the especially earlier stuff but even now i think you can sort of be like hey those are jazz players who are now playing pop and folks <laughs> yeah, yeah so there you have a little yeah there you have more of it and um you got to know them personally as well and you could and um so yeah, yeah. we've all very blessed being in new york you you know, the bands in churches in New York usually are pretty good because there's a lot of talented people here because there's just a lot of people. So. Right. So, so what is it like for you? What, what kind of drove you to take, you know, your music elsewhere? You know, I think, you know, we have, I know a lot of people who are worship pastors, songwriters, all the things, right. Mm-hmm. And they're very focused on their local church. That's what they're doing. Right. And then there's also that sense of like, okay, I've been given these songs. I work on them. I, I, you know, I, I try and build them into something that's beautiful, you know? And then it's like, how did you know that like your songs are the one, like were for more than just the people that you were playing with them with in your house? How did you know that it was like, we're, we, yeah. we need to do something. We need to do something more with this. Yeah. I think there's a couple answers to that question. One is I was thinking about this before we got on. And I know that um, a lot of the folks who listen to this, our worship leaders and who are worship directors and that sort of thing. And I don't really write these songs um, as worship songs to be used in churches. And I don't think that that makes them higher or lower or better or worse. I think, I think writing worship music for congregational singing and for church singing is a high art and it really takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of skill to lead people in that way, but that's not how we wrote these. I wrote these really for Monique and I, and I wrote them, I think in some ways, probably my amateur, my lack of training was both a curse, but sometimes a blessing because I was doing things that really don't, you know, a lot of our songs, they don't fit congregational singing very well. There are some that do though. I think just, I know this because people have used them or told us that they're, that they are. But so it wasn't like where we, it wasn't like, Hey, I'm, I'm writing these for my church to sing. Maybe we should, we should break the bounds. Maybe these deserve a wider hearing. I didn't, it wasn't really done like that. It was more like initially I was making these songs with Monique and Sufiano was helping us record them. And when his second, well, it's actually, it's not a second, but when his Illinois record took off, mm-hmm. um, he came to us and he goes, I want to make a whole record with you. And I want to, I want to put it out on Asthmetic Kitty. And so he was the, he was the kickstart of saying, Hey, let's do this. We used to play, there's a club around here called Pete's Candy Store. We would play like little shows in the back of churches or stuff like that. 
And he was the one that said, I want to put these out and I want to really invest in them. And, and that's why the production value is so high on their first record is because it was the people that he was making one of his records with that were playing on it in addition to our church band. So it wasn't sort of, I mean, I'm ambitious as anybody else, but I wasn't sort of thinking, Hey, this will, this is something I want to take wider. It was more like, um, we were doing this thing and it was pleasing to us and joyful to us. And we had a friend who sort of pushed us out on stage almost mm-hmm. and said, Hey, I want you to do this on a wider stage and, and, and made it available for us. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people have done that as well. <laughs> Other, even besides him have said like helped us to get things done a little. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Grateful for them. Yeah. Well, That's let's actually been one of the, it's been a, one of the real uh, unintended blessings. I don't say unintended, but um, when we, you know, I know a few pastors or people that have reached out to us and said, Hey, we really, we love your song such and such. And we sing it every year during Holy week, or we sing this song a lot. And it really means a lot to us. Um, in, in a way that is, that's just, it's like a surprise to us that our worship, our song, our, our, our music gets used in that way and really delighted by that. And it almost feels like, um, a, like a undeserved or unintended surprise thing like and it's doing this too like we're so grateful when someone says hey we really like this song or this got us through a hard time and then to hear like oh man um there are a bunch of people down at this camp in alabama and every year we sing one of your songs and it's this time that everybody really loves and you think oh my goodness mm-hmm. what a gift to be part of that yeah for sure for sure no it, it connects in a lot of different ways you know it's yeah. like that's why it's interesting listening to, cause you, cause for my church, small church, we do a lot of folky kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I write a lot for it. We, I'm always trying to pull these like kind of odd little things. Odd isn't the word, but just maybe not quite what mm-hmm. fits in what you would, you know, typically imagine. And so, yeah, so yeah. you guys come along and it's, I'm just like, oh yeah, we're going to grab that one. We're going to grab that. Yeah, one. good. I love the whole like singing scripture yeah. concept. It's um, gosh, I do not have enough time with you. Okay. Um, I have to ask you about your new record. So okay. <laughs> because that's that's why you guys are here. So tell tell me about tell me about Esther. Okay. Why the name Esther, first of all? And sure. like if you could kind of give me a big picture of, of this record. Sure. It's um named after my grandmother who um gifted me um audio cassette cassettes of her reading the Bible to me when I was in college. She she sent them from Ohio to, to New York when I was here. And so there are little bits of her reading the Bible on. Uh, That's the who that is. That's awesome. And um, so it's kind of like a, so it's a little, a little bit about home and like making your home where you're at. And I think in some ways it was, um, we had all these, we, we started rehearsing for the record. We started rehearsing for recording the record the week that COVID happened. So we had like 80% of the songs done. Then I was like, okay, we're going to finish these up and we're going to start, let's just start rehearsing. So we got one rehearsal in and then everything happened. And so then the next year I just played the songs at home and we would sing them or play them a little bit. And this is also a time when Monique started painting a lot more and a lot of her paintings this the the one of her paintings is for the isaiah california lyric video and you can kind of see the things dancing around a lot of the things in her paintings are collage materials from her grandmother so i think the thinking on naming the record esther and that it was sort of you know you inherit all these things from your life you inherit the family you're born into you inherit the blessings that your 
your family gives you, and then there are adversities too. And you try to make sense of those. And so a lot of the songs are about that too. Songs are about uh, trying to find a home, loving the home you're in, you know, sometimes running away from home and then coming back home. And so all those things kind of contributed to it. And then it, near the end of the process, we thought, man, your grandmother's given you all these tapes. She used to send these tapes from Ohio of her reading the Bible. And it felt awesome. like this unifying thread, like, oh, it's it's a voice from home. It's the voice of God in scripture. And it's it's this thread that runs through, like we we are these blessings that come from us, from our family, and then also the adversities, but those can be blessings too. Well, she has a, she has a very uh, musical reading. Yeah, of those. It's really, it's really cool. I love how you guys fit those yeah. in with your, you know, your music is very like lyrically. Um, and I'm, I'm, and I mean this in the best way. It's very, it feels very like plain spoken. It's like, you're not trying to like couch things in, in, in metaphor a lot. And there's kind of very like, I mean, sometimes there are some very, you know, some really beautiful pictures that you guys paint, but there's a lot of like, I'm singing this Bible verse or I'm going to, it almost seems like you you decide what you want to say and then you write a song about it is that yep. is that kind of the... what's it's also by des the, the simplicity is by design for sure and you know i there we have a, a song on the last record that's just the first question and answer of the heidelberg catechism i wanted to mm -hmm. learn how to i wanted to memorize that and so i almost did it for mm -hmm. myself and for people in our church the same with matthew 7 7 it's not a literal uh it's a little bit of a extrapolation of that but it is kind of it is a little bit plain spoken and it's sort of in the, you know, um, in the line of that kind of scripture song sort of tradition, which I really love. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, I mean, just culturally where we're at with all the different voices that are coming in, it's, it's really powerful to have something just be said, you know, mm -hmm. and I love how you kind of like couch it in scripture and you, you know, you have the readings in there and everything. It's just, it's a really, it's a really beautiful record. It's just really well done. I thank you guys for doing it. It's a, it's, for sure. It's a, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot on worship artistry about how we have, yes, we have congregational songs, but like worship leaders need to worship, you know, like this needs this, what we do at churches should be an outflowing of everything else we do. And, and so we always try and point people towards artists who are, at least for me, like are inspiring me. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just, this feels like home. This is something I just want to sit in, you know, and then maybe I can bring something to my community with it. And so um, just really excited about what you guys have done, what you guys are doing. The whole record comes out, is it November 4th? Yeah, it'll be November 4th. So a new single will come out in October and, that, and then a video will come out and that's for Matthew 7, 7. And then we have a Christmas song that'll come out in November. And then the whole record comes out November 4th. Awesome. Yeah. Well, very much Thank looking forward to it. it. Thanks for Thank taking you. an interest. You know, yeah, you know yeah. this as a songwriter and as a musician, you kind of make something and you push it out into the world, and you know you sort of hear like, <laughs> is, anybody, is any you hear the crickets? You think, oh, is anybody listening to this? Is anybody? And so, thanks for being a um, a listener, and thanks for taking an interest in it. Oh, absolutely! It's a it's a it's a gift. I love finding good stuff. Um, one final question: I always like to ask this whenever somebody's got a new record coming out. You know, as musicians. We all have the, like, yes, all the songs are our babies. We love them all, yeah. but there's always kind of some musical moments that kind yeah. of poke themselves through, you know, like, oh, I love it in the song when it does this, or yeah. I love the way the guitar comes in here. Like what are just maybe one or two of your, your highlights? What's yours? Um, 
I like um, the intro of Constellation Blues and I like Lebanon at the end. I like how it gets a little bit like, um, I like to imagine Rocky Horror Picture Show when I hear that song. <laughs> it's like, I just want to like do some like strange motions like back and forth with my arms, you know, and then <laughs> I didn't do it again or something. Awesome. So, yeah, Lebanon's the one song that kind of rocks out a little bit and feels a little chaotic. And that's so that's the yeah, one song that's sort of like that, I suppose. I like I like Monique singing on this this whole record. Oh. She sings so well in the harmonies and Constellation Blues. I think she does a great job where it's fun to sing harmony, you know, like it's fitting these two voices together, sort of like a Lego pieces. And um, so I like those moments in Constellation Blues. Awesome. Well, the album comes out November 4th. As Esther, we've got the welcome wagon guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to come and, and share with us and share your heart you. and just explain your creative process. I think as musicians yeah. and artists, we all love to be inspired by what other people are doing and you guys are doing some really great stuff. So thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Thank and you. we're just, so we just hope the best for all of your listeners too, especially your worship leaders, you know, that they would be blessed and that they would help and there'd be a lot of joy in, 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 in all of your worship. Being a worship leader is not an easy thing to yeah. do. It really isn't. And so, yeah, God bless them all. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Something that I love about this album is how they have scripture reading all over. Right. It is the, it is the coolest story. It's, it's funny to me because, you know, they talk about how, like, we don't, we're not like a worship band. Their worship leaders, like that's what they do. Yeah. It's just not in the way that I think we a lot of times picture, you know, worship being. Like contemporary, maybe. Right. right? There's kind of yeah. this idea. Like one of the things I run into doing workshops about arranging for your band is mm -hmm. we all see the stuff that we're learning on, you know, on you're learning on worship artistry, right? We try and simplify that and break it down so that it's like, here's your small band that can do it. And a lot of people don't even have that small band, mm. you know, and right. that's me. That's the situation that I'm in. And I think sometimes we get in this idea that like worship is a genre and it's not just an act. Right. 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 And so, so I think some of their lyrics are just so worshipful. Mm. And so, I mean, they'll just like sing scripture or like, I mean, the, the, you know, her grandmother reading scripture, like, like cassette tapes of scripture. Like so cool. when you take scripture and you, you know, and you read it, just dry, you know, it's, it's so powerful. I always, I usually find I like to read it something through three times. Usually the first time is like, okay, I'm just taking it in. And then the second time is like, okay, I'm starting to see what this is saying. And then mm -hmm. finally, like the third time it's when it starts becoming expressive yeah. in my mind. And I think music helps to do that and helps give a space for scripture. So when we hear scripture in kind of outside the context, we're normally hearing it. And a lot of times just in our own heads as we're sitting there reading it, right. um, it just, it just gives it this different gravity and this different beauty. And I think that their music surrounds it so well. And it's just, for me, listening to this record is just so devotional. Like I just have moments where I just, I'm listening. Like it's hard for me to listen to it in the background because I just want to listen to it. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, we as worship musicians can all, musicians in general can all be inspired with what we can, with what we can take away from this kind of stuff. So check out the welcome wagon. Yeah. It'll be in the, in the link in the, the, there will be a link in the description. <laughs> yes, there will. And you know what? Christina's here, so that actually happens. It's not just me saying it in the podcast and then and forgetting to add it. I actually make it happen. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> it's my gift to you. Yeah, but it is a it is a great album. I Yeah, go listen. It'll be great. You know what else is great, Christina? What is great, Jason? 
Worship Artistry. Yes. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, Worship Artistry is who we are. (laughs) (laughs) What makes Worship Artistry awesome is that if you are a person with, you know, a small team or if you have a huge team, you know, whatever your context, we have arrangements for you. Like we have the solo arrangements, we have full band arrangements and different songs too. Um, that maybe you do all of them, maybe you do only some of them, but be sure to check it out. Go to worshipartistry.com, start a free trial. You have 21 days free, explore it. Have your team join it, especially with Christmas coming up. Oh my gosh, yes. We have so many great Christmas arrangements and simplified Christmas carols too. So if you just do the classics, go there and get just a fresh arrangement for yourself and learn that. So go check those out at worshipartistry.com slash Christmas and get your whole team hooked up. Have a stress-free Christmas. I'm going to have a stress-free week here at CMS. Christina, I'll see you next time. See you next time.